0: Hello and welcome to episode 181 of the Filmmaker's Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to make them, how to get them made and how to try and to f it up in our very, very humble opinion. I'm Giles Alderson. I'm a writer, director and a producer. And I'm Robbie McCain, director, producer. And welcome one and all. Welcome, one and all. Thank you for listening, because today we have the amazing directors, Anna Boden and Ryan Fleck, who not only directed Captain Marvel, but also Miss America, which is on TV now, starring Kate Blanchett and is amazing. Oh, yes, it's so good. I, you lot are going to love this episode. Why would you not? They went from indie film from literally making a short of their feature and all the way up to directing a Marvel movie. Unbelievable. Robbie, what did you take away from
1: this? It's kind of amazing, isn't it? I mean, if you've seen Half Nelson, which is obviously like one of the first big films that Ryan Gosling got noticed for as an actor, obviously it had all this acclaim from Sundance. And if you look at that and then think the same people could then be directing a Marvel film in 10, 15 years time, then you'd never think that. But they're both great films from both completely different parts of the filmmaking spectrum.
0: Totally agree. And what's amazing is they're wonderful people as well. Humble, honest, mm. delightful to talk to. They actually went longer than they should have. We had a right mess up at the beginning with Squadcast and tried to do Skype for a little bit and then came back to Squadcast. It was a bit of a nightmare, but they were so generous with their time that they even moved a meeting back so that they could carry on talking for you guys to listen to. Or for you, I'm in your head right now you to listen to and get this and they also directed as well as half nelson they directed sugar it's kind of a funny story mississippi grind honestly it's just just amazing
1: obviously we talk a lot on the podcast about um, directing solo versus directing as a team you've asked that question to, to different directors before what we've had on as joint and we really got into that with with Brian and Anna because obviously they started out with just more as like a writing team and Ryan was taking sort of uh, official credit for the direction but then gradually they've become like more of a directing pair as it's become more sort of acceptable um, in you know the Hollywood system so that was really interesting to get into and we also talked about you know their how their approaches change from you know directing on film uh, and having to not rely on like a monitor and completely trust your DOP to directing in like a digital age with previs with Captain Marvel where basically the film is made in previs before you even shoot any footage which was really really interesting so yeah some really great stuff for you guys to get into this week
0: fascinating journey they talk about how they met on a short film and how they made short docs together when they first started uh, including have you seen this man and young rebels and then they made a short film "Gowanus, brooklyn uh, and it was a sample for their script half nelson they go into so much detail about that how they did it and then how they got half nelson their debut movie which garnered an oscar nomination for ryan gosling no less for the first feature so all that to look forward to of course on the 5th of october we have
1: the dare coming out which is just oh. This
0: movie oh my gosh and oh, that's coming out I here in the uk that.
1: it's already been oh. out in america of course for all the all those across the pond listening but you know for those of us here in the uk it's going to be a special day
0: thank you robbie i appreciate that yes uh, october the 5th is, is going to be an amazing day it's been four years and i can't wait mm. just can't wait We finally get out here in the uk um but let's talk about more important things like our patreon robbie we have set up the patreon now for the filmmakers podcast thank you so much those who've joined us we'll give shout-outs to you all very soon but uh for now we want to talk about what we've got on there and we have got mark strong the full uncensored, uncut (laughs) episode of myself and Dan Richardson and obviously the wonderful actor Mark Strong who's now producing Temple. He's actually filming today. I saw him this morning and he was going straight to set. Um, How cool is that? I just love that. Yeah, yeah. So he's filming at the moment. He said, obviously, Protocol's in place, but he's actually filming right now. uh, And I love that. So, yeah, you can listen to that. You can listen to Piers Tempest talk about TV, how Mm -hmm. to pitch for TV. And what else have we got, Robbie? Well, there's a
1: chat with you and writer of The Dare and Arthur and Merlin, Johnny Grant. Um, talking about screenwriting. And then this week, we've got a special episode with you and me, Giles, where we talk about criticism in the industry. And you know you want to tune in for that.
0: If you're going to be a filmmaker, you've got to accept that this road is hard. You've got to accept that people just won't like you or your film. And as soon as you accept that, it's suddenly a much relief. Keyboard warriors can write anything. So we go into that and we go in depth about uh, dealing with criticism so definitely tune in for that shout out this week for some amazing people thank you all so much andrew chapman mark stay uh scott rose jesse kinonas matthew j lawrence who gave us a, an amazing rating for this podcast on itunes thank you and also really enjoyed arthur and merlin and gave that an amazing review on itunes as well you legend uh, if anyone else wants to do the same please do arthur and merlin is available now um <laughs> Andy Fosbury, thanks, buddy. And House Harker, uh, they followed me on Twitter. They said they love the podcast. They have their amazing movie called I Had a Bloody Good Time at House Harker, which is free to watch on Tubi now. Uh, Shout-outs to you at House Harker Great on title, on Twitter. Oh, amazing, amazing. And then we've got two uh, crowdfunders to shout-out about. First up is Dan Karsa. He has got his GoFundMe page for his movie, Trigger. Uh, I just donated, they're literally now £170 away from completing um, their crowdfunder. It is on GoFundMe. It's called Trigger. It is cool as hell. Dan Carson, Zara Edwards, and Daniel Dresner are starring. In- and it's a short film about a soldier called Fletcher who returns home to the UK with PTSD while serving in Afghanistan. Uh, you do want to check that out and just support indie filmmakers. Dan's a brilliant guy. He's always turning up at events. He's a great actor as well. So follow him and support. And also to Rachel Madison, who emailed me about her and Chris Foster's. Making of this amazing movie now they're making this movie And they're also going to stream it live as they're making the movie Uh, Creative seven media and their film is called burger bait which showcases new ways of looking at both traditional filmmaking and forward-thinking Mediums uh, like live-streaming so burger bait is basically more than just a film It's a live-streaming event that takes place over the course of making a feature film and that will be completely free to watch at the end of 2020 um this is basically their own unique distributor method you basically pay for it now and then you can watch them making the film i think it is brilliant it's a a absolutely fantastic forward way of thinking to be a filmmaker it's what you should be doing all the time is thinking outside the box burger bait is their film go support them and then go watch because it's you'll see all the shit that goes wrong and all the good stuff so get on that links to both of those in the show notes.
1: So we've got some great episodes coming up for you as well. Next week, we've got Sarah Gavron, the director of Suffragette, and she's talking about her brand new film, Rocks, which is amazing.
0: It's got five-star reviews on, on Empire, and it is brilliant, and she talks in detail about that. She's cool as hell. And then we've got Aaron Scottie and John Liversay, and they're talking about pitching, how you can pitch your movie, and how you can get money from pitching your movie to those investors. Uh, Aaron Scottie is the producer of... Peanut Butter Falcon, who was on the Making a Film event recently, but they just talk about pitching. That'll be a nice free masterclass for you. And then after that
1: we've got Felina Hopkins talking about her indie film Just One More Kiss and that's romantic drama, so not something we normally talk about in the podcast, but it's gonna be a really interesting change of pace to talking about a film of a different genre we don't normally get to see. And she's hilarious, so that's a that's a big bonus as well.
0: We've recorded those on, but we haven't recorded these yet. But these are guests who are coming up if all goes to plan. Craig Roberts, the amazing actor, director, and then we've got Shaked Berenson, who is a sales and distribution expert. I mean, that's what he does, it's his job. The dare is with him and he's amazing so he's going to talk all about that and as a special treat for you we have exec producer and producer mike Medavoy. mike if you don't know mike was the head of orion pictures and he made movies recently including black swan shutter island and robbie's favorite film zodiac it's not my favorite film
1: but one of my favorites definitely my top probably my top fincher film apart from one of my top 150
0: Yeah. <laughs> <It's in there. laughs> anyway, all those to come for you, amazing people. So, Robbie, what should we do now? Well, we're going to stop talking now, and
1: uh, we'll let you guys listen wow. to the wonderful interview that Giles had with Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck. Enjoy.
0: Hello. You- Thanks for joining us.
2: Hey. Sorry about all the technical. No worries,
0: <laughs> I was saying to Ryan, why I wanted you guys on is because of your journey and how amazing your journey is to, to where you got to, so I suppose it would be really interesting to know for us how you started, how you guys met, because you met at uh, doing, making a short film together and that's how your relationship developed, do you want to just fill us in on, on your journey a little bit there and why you wanted to be a filmmaker and how you two met, Anna, let's start with you. Um, well, I uh,
2: was going to school. Um, at Columbia and, um, and Ryan was at NYU and at Columbia undergrad, they didn't have an undergrad filmmaking, um, department. So I was learning film studies and studying English. And I took this summer class at NYU, um, where they, where I could do some hands-on filmmaking and Ryan had just graduated from NYU and was working, um, like at the editing desk back when people edited on actual film. <laughs> <laughs> that I don't mean to age myself here, but I guess I just Sure, did.
0: no, I'm there. I'm <laughs> good.
2: And, um, and he checked me out of Splicer. And then, uh, you know, our friendship began. And we started, um, we kind of really ended up uh, connecting maybe a year later when we were both working on the same student short film. Um, and then just started doing all our shorts together from then on.
0: I love that. I love those collaborations that come from, you know, just finding the same kind of things you liked—is that how it was, Ryan? Was it a case of you both enjoyed the same kind of films, and you went, "I think we could work together"?
3: Yeah, it was. Um, it was right around 2000 that year, and so it was kind of the the DVD revolution was happening. There was there were still video stores, and that had both VHS and DVDs sections, and there were some things you could only find on VHS. And um, so, we were sort of discovering together the re-releases of all these classic movies. And she would play me something that I had never seen, didn't know about. And then I would show her something that she didn't know about. And then it was that just that great thing when you're a young film student where you find you discover a filmmaker. So, you see a movie and you're like, oh, man, what else did this person make? And then you kind of go down a trail of of that person's other movies and it's just this great uh period of discovery you know when you're in your early 20s and it just feels like all these gems that you're discovering that no one else has seen you feel like no one else has seen them of course the, you know in the 70s everybody saw these movies but um absolutely but you is that
0: yeah when you're that age you're like oh i've discovered these films why right. have <laughs> been talked about yeah mm. absolutely
2: Yeah, there was this great video store near where I went to school that um, had everything categorized by a director and so you just like go in there and you start leafing through and making your way through different directors and um and then apparently you had to be like the most knowledgeable human being ever to work at that store like I never could have I was always like the people who work at this video store are like the smartest coolest people in the world um and so you know just using them as a resource to discover more movies
0: I love it. I love it when I find people who are so knowledgeable on film, Robbie's one of them and they just go, Oh, have you seen this film or, you know, and you find these little gems that you didn't know about. And I love that kind of collaboration. Uh, And it seems you two had that from the off. Did you know sort of straight away that you wanted to work together? Is that something that was on your minds? Were you, how come you didn't go out on your own, if you like? Uh, And cause I know you were making docs for a while. Did it come from just that collaboration?
3: Yeah, I don't think we knew that. I mean, I at NYU, I focused more on the sort of I'm the writer director, you know, and that was sort of what I wanted to do. I didn't mm-hmm. I wasn't sure that was ever going to be an actual career that was going to be possible. But at least when you're in film school, that's the goal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm a few years older than Anna. So she, when I got out of school, she was still in school and making some shorts. And basically, I was kind of helping her out with them. I mean, she was making them, but I was kind of like, we were collaborating on them, and it just felt like a very easy collaboration. So even though her movies were, were hers, her little two-minute shorts, at some point, we after film school, we decided to make, it would just be easy to do them together. And especially when you're making a documentary, I think it's a lot more easy to collaborate, because the vision of it isn't about directing a performance. It's not about writing a line of dialogue. It's about, at least in the movies that we were making, the shorts, we were just sort of capturing life and putting it together later. It is is really cool. I
0: I made docs as well and you do get that, different it's a different take on filmmaking it's when you're working with actors it becomes a different strain of it right so the documentary side is it's almost free and you're finding things and things are happening all the time and yeah how great and some of these some of your docs are really fascinating as well about the structure and what they're about you know have you seen this man and uh, there's another one as well and I was just like these are really interesting you kind of really thought about what you wanted to make as well and find some really interesting stories and I think that for me led on to what your career has been. The fact that you have always found fascinating, new, fresh stories. And I think that's an incredible achievement because we can easily get pulled by a studio or whatever to say, no, we want to put you in this box. You're now gonna go make these type of movies. And I feel like your journeys have been this you know incredible, we're gonna make our own path. And we're gonna find our own films and we're gonna do them the way we wanna do them. Am I wrong? Anna?
2: (laughs) Oh, thank you. No, it's nice that you say that. I do think that, um, you know, I think especially working as a team, the only requirement is that we're both, like, super excited about doing it, and we don't have an idea that necessarily we're, you know, we are only obsessed with one kind of story or another, one kind of style or another. We just really... um, love movies and like, you know, we, we change and our interests change over time. And then we need to find that convergence of where we're both at, that a story kind of grabs us both. And we both feel the need to like be able to dedicate like a couple years of our lives to it, which that's kind of the mm-hmm. threshold is, could we it spend two years of our lives doing this?
3: <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's, um, it's a nice how you phrase that because I think, I think sometimes when we, we make a new movie or a show or whatever and we are being interviewed I think it's harder for a journalist to sort of grasp you know I think it's easier to write about someone who's got uh, the, a vision and in, in, or a through line in their career and and you, you as a writer can say oh look at look at look at the movie they made when they were this age and this age it's it's like we don't have an agenda like David Cronenberg-esque agenda. And it's like, I love his movies. I'll see every one of his movies, but that you, you understand the David Cronenberg aesthetic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that, like Anna said, we're just, we're movie fans. And there, there are times when we might want to make a movie like David Cronenberg movie, you know, and be like, That's, we want to make that movie or we want to make this the Steven Soderbergh movie, uh, whatever that is, uh, and yeah. uh, <laughs> Or we want to make the yeah, Spielberg movie. All Berg's. We're just going to make all the Berg movies. Yeah, all the Berg's. All the Berg's. <laughs> <laughs> so in that sense, yeah, Anna's right. Especially as we get older, I think it's it's about what's, what's exciting us in a moment and what do we feel like we can devote uh, several years of our lives to. Great. Because the first short you
0: did, which was Gawain's Brooklyn, uh, you both wrote it, but it was just you that directed it. Is that right? Ryan, so that first sort of step when you made the first short.
3: Right. And this was at a time when co-directors were a lot less visible to us. So even the Conan brothers who were sort of the, I think the most famous version of co-directors, Joel was always credited for a long time. And it was, they <laughs> the, the wrote DGA together. would weren't allowed to, would they? They had I, the I don't whole know what the with... reason was. Yeah. But I think that might have had something to do with it. And so we just, it just felt like. You know, I, I was gonna direct those first first shorts and the, the first feature. Um, I think when we made Sugar, Anna was more um, versatile in Spanish than I was. And it just made sense when we were making that Spanish language mix of a movie that she was gonna be communicating with the actors who spoke Spanish more than I was. And it just felt like the right time for us to, to co-direct. Um, we weren't sure that was gonna be how we would work forever, but it just made sense. And especially when we're promoting the movie, it just, it we spoke as, you know, there are two of us, but we were speaking as one vision for the movie. And it just, it, it was a way that we enjoyed working and, and continued to, to enjoy working. At least that's what we tell ourselves.
0: That's absolutely what you tell yourself <laughs> Because I've, I've co-directed shorts as well. And it, it, I was kind of, Leading it and the person who's co-acting was sort of whispering in my ear and saying stuff and it worked that way So I was the one who was speaking to the actors and I love speaking to actors So I'd find it very difficult now if there was two voices with the same sort of emotion How do you work? How do you guys work together within that realm of you know? Do you take it in turns to speak to the actors? Do you take it in turns to speak to the DP? Or is you are you both kind of one voice as in everything is the same manner?
2: Well, I I think that um, every project is a little bit different, and we really do both kind of do everything. And there are times when I speak to the actors and times when Ryan speaks to the actors. Um, Generally, we try not to, you know, we try to stay consistent. So if we're in a particular scene and Ryan is talking to the actors for that scene because it, it just feels like he's the one who understands that scene the best or has that connection with the actor, I mean it really is a case by case basis. Sometimes it is Ryan just communicates with an actor in this way where they get each other. Um, And, and sometimes it's a a scene that one of us really feels like we have a a personal connection to. Um, So we try to stay consistent uh, within a particular scene, but it it isn't uh, the case where, you know, one of us is the only one talking to the actors and, um, and certainly not with the crew. I feel like on a film, you tend to have uh, quite a bit of prep time, either with your crew and hopefully also, uh, at least in, in our case, on, on most of our movies, we've had a fair amount of rehearsal time with actors. And it's there that you really kind of get on the same page, make sure that you're all making the same movie and, and where they get to kind of feel out what it's like to work with the two of us and we all are kind of um you know discovering how we best communicate with each other and that time is so essential and possibly more so because we are two people and that's a little bit unusual for a lot of actors and and crew members
0: I suppose Ryan for you obviously coming from that director writer side is kind of your vision to have someone else doing that for some point of that It must have been quite a relief because you know what it's like as a director there's so much pressure and so much going on it must have been brilliant to have a second head if you like another person who gets what you're trying to Mm do Mm -hmm.
3: yeah we people ask us all the time how do we work as two people and we respond with how does anyone make a movie uh, direct a movie alone and it's just um it's just so, uh, it's a, it's just great to have somebody who is locked into the vision. And that doesn't mean we're always in agreement. We, we we disagree sometimes, but we try to do that more secretly, privately, <laughs> um, so that we're not having a,
0: uh, yes, you know, a conflict in, in front
3: of the kids, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's so important that the, you know, you're the leaders of the ship. You can't be having that you know feud or bitter argument or whatever on set you can't do it was that something you set out did you know from the very beginning that we can't do that was it kind of you just like let's anything that you were like I, I want to you know was it all just let's just have a little moment and how did you set the rules for how it's going to work
3: it seemed intuitive to 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 not want to fight publicly like no matter no matter what the situation is you know like you, you want to keep that kind of quiet but yeah i mean i think um I don't think it was like we actually blew up at each other publicly and said, oh, we can't do that again. I don't think that ever that ever happened.
2: And I think to be perfectly honest, it came pretty naturally because um, when you're two people in a room writing or uh, editing, yeah, there are disagreements that come up and you might sometimes lose your cool. But when it's the two of you making something with a group of you know, 40 people on a small film, many more than that on a bigger film. It really does feel like the two of us are in this together trying to, you know, steer it and protect it and, um, you know, make sure it's all going right. And it, it's like you're in it together and there's um, there's much less... Uh, opportunity really for us to ever feel like at odds with each other and when we have different ideas about how things should go on set um you know we have like a very um very quick and respectful way of doing it of addressing that and um and sometimes it means that we do something two ways
0: yeah yeah, how fascinating! I think I think I'd love that. I think I'd love the second head.
3: I'm very <laughs> frightened of it, but I think I'd like the second head. Back then, like I said, the Coen brothers, the the Wachowskis, um, there were just there were just a few. But now it feels like um, there's the Russo brothers. You know, I don't have a list in front of me, but I feel like there. I could access that list, and there would be a, a much more, um, you know, Dayton date Ferris. You know, of course, um, and
2: uncut gems. Yeah. Yeah, Safeties. yeah, of course.
0: Safties. These people are doing, they're just working together more. It seems like a more of a normal thing now that it, people will work together as a team. And I think it, what it's like in the trenches when it's so hard, oh God, yeah, to have that extra person who totally understands where you're at when you head for me it's my dp but they're doing their own mm-hmm. job so imagine if you've got a dp as well so you've got three heads you know and then you produce as four so you find the right person like you guys have and it's just a wonderful thing so uh, and you're not siblings and all the others we've kind of mentioned are pretty much siblings so mm-hmm. there can't be many who are uh, you know just people who work together this way, which is great.
2: Although until recently on the internet, I had the same birth date and birthplace as Ryan. So <laughs> we might be twins. What? <clears throat>
0: <laughs> Serious? Not true. Did, not true. Oh, I see. aged me put up, it up three years on the
2: internet. <laughs> How dare I'm not happy about that.
0: <laughs> How rude. <laughs> and you look the least 10 years younger than that. Shocking. <laughs> Shocking. Um, let's talk about this sort of whole Ryan Gosling situation when you got with Half Nelson and the fact that you'd, you made the short, had obviously done really well. You'd run it at Sundance, and that, oh, then you got into Sundance Lab. And obviously, that changed so much. For you, but still, to get Half Nelson done, which is an amazing film, by the way, both of you, incredible, incredible, and to get you know Ryan Gosling, talk us through that journey for you as first time sort of feature filmmakers. Even though all you have done the docs, you have done the shorts, this is this is your debut, right? And wow, what what an absolute you know, a barrel of wonderful explosion into the industry that he, he gets Oscar nominated for it. Wow. So talk us through how that happened, if you don't mind.
3: It was very exciting. I'll, I'll say, I'll go back a little further. So we were, fair. I mean, we were novices making our shorts before. We were just kind of, we, we felt like kids, you know, just making movies on weekends. And that's, that's how we made Gowanus. You know, we, we just um, had a camera and we went out and we had a, a script. I'll, we had the feature. We'd written half Nelson. The feature, no idea where to, what to do with it. Um, didn't know anybody. So we thought, well, let's we make shorts. Let's figure out how to make a short film version of that. So it kind of focused on the the girl more so than the teacher himself. Um, and that's where we met Sharika Epps, and who ended up working in the feature as well. But I remember we got into Sundance, and that just felt like the greatest thing. Like that's it. Like once you get your short into Sundance, what else? What else do we need? You know? Where you um, go from here? Yeah.
0: And, what, what more do you want?
3: Yeah. which is great. It was. It was a great run at the festival. And then they called our names for the that night at the awards, and. We're backstage and I say based on how, what I know about how these things work I think this means we're going to be able to make half Nelson and, and Anna looked at me like I was crazy because she was still working as a receptionist in a doctor's office we didn't really think that a movie career was a thing that that people like us actually could do um so you know it didn't happen right away but it, it happened and and yeah it, it was it was sort of life-changing a life-changing event and Getting Ryan Gosling was was great. I mean, look, he had only done a handful of movies. We knew he was a good actor. Mm. Uh, we didn't I don't think we realized how good until we were making that movie together. And it was just kind of extraordinary to see what he did with that role. I mean, we we thought we'd written a pretty good role on paper, but he just brought it to life in a way that was just extraordinary and stunning to to all of us who are watching it happen every day. Uh, so it made us, I think it made us, we always loved actors and appreciated actors, but at, at, to come out the gate with that experience really made us, uh, understand what an actor can do for you as a director, make your life so much easier, you know?
0: So true. Yeah. They, they say 75% of, uh, directing is casting, isn't it? Get the right person in and you're fine.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. And, um, it was interesting since, uh, the global pandemic. Um, people have been connecting a lot more on Zoom and our producer for Half Nelson, like put together a Zoom, just meet up with all the crew oh, wow. um, from Half Nelson, which Amazing. was so fun. You mm. know, I don't know how many years later that, I guess over 15 it's years 15 later. 15
3: years, 2006 it came out. Yeah. So we shot it in 2005. Five. Yeah. Yeah. So-
2: 15 years later and we all were getting on and it was really fun to share memories of that. Everybody felt like from the script supervisor um, to the costume designer to the line producer, everybody remembered that experience of seeing um, Ryan Gosling just be on set and be in the moment and feel like they're watching something truly, truly great. Um, and, And what, what a gift that was.
0: Yeah, it must have been amazing. How did you work with him then? What was, because like you said, he wasn't that biggest star as he is now, but at the same time he had done some massive movies. So it must've been great to get him involved. But then how do you work with someone like that? Had you planned, just like you would normally, I suppose, but had you planned everything for your first debut movie? Had you done your shot list? Had you storyboarded everything? Cause often on your first movie, we we do everything. And then we go, <laughs> I've probably gone a bit too far. I've gone a bit too crazy. And we bring it back for the second. one. Yeah,
3: no, that's true. We were over-prepared, you know? We were in a, in a good way, as you should be when you're, because we didn't know what we were doing. And we, I realized that we, we still don't really know what we're doing, but we do have like a process now that we understand that we're doing that. We're achieving that process, or executing the process now when we make a movie. At the time, we were just like, uh, we, you know, let's just shot list. Let's get every shot we want in the sun and real, and then, you know, we'd get on set and realize we'd find a rhythm and realize we were doing that handheld sort of cinema verite approach that we didn't need half the (laughs) shots that we had, you know, thought we needed. Um, it's nice to have the option though in the edit, but at the same time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But (laughs) also again, when you, it was a learning lesson of working with actors and when you're watching them and this is before monitors we did have a little like a monitor connected to the um, camera but we yes. weren't like sitting at a at a you know a bay of monitors or anything we were standing you know for the most part i was standing right next to the camera wow and, and if that really, camera's
0: moving around you yeah, you're so kind I'm, of over the you I'm watching shoulder
3: Ryan <laughs> the whole time and i'm not really able to just keep my eye on this little black and white monitor
2: it's like you're shooting on film and so you're in the room the, the monitor image is so crappy that um, you're not really paying that much attention to it. You're looking at the actors and you're really like present there with the actors and you're trusting your cinematographer to capture it. And you don't know exactly what it looks like anyway, because it's on film and you have to trust, you know, your cinematographer in a way that we don't, um, we don't do anymore. And everybody has a note on how it looks because (laughs) it looks so perfect on the monitor. You know exactly what it's going to look like. Um, And And so I think that there was a certain kind of freedom to having that, um, to being present and um, just feeling like you were going to get the dailies and discover something.
0: It's so true, that's so fascinating because I've only ever shot on digital, so I've always had a monitor, whether it's a little handheld one where my neck's killing me at the end of every day, <laughs> or it's like a big, you know, in the the sort of, what do we call it, the- um, Video village? Video village. Video village. <laughs> that's it, yeah, 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 the video village. And I, I can't imagine what it'd be like to, I mean, I've made some docs where I'm chasing after the camera and trying to see it and going, let's look at playback. But if you're shooting on film, you, you can't do that. Uh, so Yeah, go on, Ryan, you're in the middle of that. So basically you were talking about trying to chase the monitor and how that felt and uh, just watching Ryan most of the time, uh, Ryan Gosling and his performance. Yeah, well,
3: and his chemistry with Sharika, watching watching mm. their relationship grow together. There, Because it's a movie about friendship and it, at, at the core of it is their relationship. And so one of the other things we did to prepare for that movie is, is just hang out before shooting. So to get them comfortable with each other, to build a trust between the two of them we would do things like go bowling or go to a museum and do things that we could do. We went to like the science center that has a lot of activities that you can fund things you can do together. So it's just really about building camaraderie between us and the actors. And um, I think that's something that we've continued to do in, in all of our movies. More than traditional rehearsals where you move here and say the line here, we, we never do that kind of thing, but we mostly hang out and just try to build a relationship if people are supposed to have a relationship on camera, then it's hard to come in, say nice to meet you at seven in the morning and then start acting like they've known each other for, for years. So sure, we can't know we can't build years of a relationship, but I think just hanging out a few times helps build a rapport.
0: I think that's great advice. Um, is there any other advice now looking back from that first movie that you wish you'd maybe done differently or something you can give to first time filmmakers or second time filmmakers now who are going, ah, is there anything now looking back go, oh, maybe if I'd done this or maybe if I hadn't been so panicked or it, it'll all turn out all right type thing. <laughs> is there anything you've got?
2: I think um, it's something that I learned from the first movie, I think we both did, um, that has stuck with us is, um, you know, your first movie, it often takes a long time to make it. So you've been living with your script, you've been living with your idea of what it is and what these characters are are for um, often many years. And then when you actually start hiring people, casting actors, um, they start bringing their own ideas to it. And I think that the instinct can be to like protect your idea, (laughs) and like, uh, but it's got to be the way that I thought it was. Um, and, and really like the beauty of being able to open it up and collaborate and have everybody take a piece of it and make it richer. Um, that, that was just such a big learning curve and, and such a wonderful thing to feel is like when you give it over to somebody else, what they can add to it is so much greater. Um, and and that's from you know actors to production design to costumes to everything.
3: Yeah, no, that's that's excellent. And um, I'm gonna go super specific for the movie Half Nelson. There's a, there's a shot in it that is like a what were we thinking kind of shot. There's the, there's the scene where the girls are middle school girls are hanging out on the at school on a set of stoops, and uh, uh, and Sharika is preoccupied, the character of Dre, and she's she's looking off and she's. She's supposed to be noticing Frank, who's the, her drug dealer friend. shes He's in his car across the playground. And when we shot it, we were on the longest lens we had in our camera package. It just looks like she's... We cut to her POV and it looks like she's just looking at kids playing in the playground. But real tiny in the frame, Frank is over in his car over there. And that's the point of the shot. And so in the future, We'd either have to put his car in a different place closer or put the camera closer the point was that she's seeing him and thinking about him nobody who's watching it is able to (laughs) comprehend that and it always every time i saw the movie like at a festival or something i was like what why did we have that shot in there like just just take it out like what is what's it doing there so i think the advice would be to to be clear when you when you have a there's a point to a shot and it's either just watching the actor act or if there's a point to the shot make sure you achieve that point
0: that's great (laughs) i like that a lot it's so true Uh, and speaking of uh, how long you work on something my movie my debut movie just four years is coming out in October I've since had three movies come out in between but my debut movie is coming out in October in the UK isn't that crazy how you can live with something it was two years before that I was developing it and uh, you know that's quite short that's six years (laughs) of this movie in my mind in this in this room here coming up with an idea so yeah you you have to live with these things and well congrats on that that's exciting to have thank you thank you it's just to let everyone else know out there how it, it does take a long time and things do change and and uh, my advice was not to worry too much you know um i used to ca- the, all those shots i was so panicky about them i put so much pressure on myself in that first film and now looking back you go oh I, I probably didn't need to it was all right you know you learn to still care and still do it but it's
3: that just i probably put a bit too much pressure on myself yeah i don't know we can we can we can relate to that as well. And going back to the collaboration thing that Anna was talking about with actors again, just you, we, there were times when I had a shot in my mind where the actor needed to sit on this part of the bed so that the camera could sort of drift around his head and then land in a close-up. And I, in my head, it was going to be genius and perfect. And on, on that set, in that motel, motel room, Ryan Gossing says, well, I want to sit over here in the bathroom and hide behind the door. I don't want to yeah. go out to the bed. And then I had to like resist that urge to be like, I have a genius shot. You're gonna go on that bed, <laughs> and you're gonna do what I say. Damn it, because because look, you're collaborating with an actor who has their own brilliance and they have their own process, and and it, and it's he was right. You know, he didn't want to come out there because Sharika was coming, Dre was coming into the room. He didn't feel comfortable approaching her or being near her. And, and it's, it, I get chills when I see that scene now, or when I haven't seen the movie in a long time, but that scene is great. He's, he's sort of crouched in the bathroom, hiding behind the door. And it's just, it's beautiful. And I didn't need the, some fancy directorial shot screwing up the emotion
0: isn't that fascinating and it's so true we can get so bogged down in how we exactly think it should look and we planned it to its to its inch of its life <laughs> the camera's going to move around it's going to be gorgeous you get in the room the actors don't want to do that and quite rightly sometimes so yeah be open be free to keep thinking you shouldn't always be yeah it's great to be prepared but then throw it away mm-hmm. when you turn up in the room That's right, right? yeah so coming to the end of sort of half nelson and the fact that it, it did so well in my opinion i watched it and thought this is a fantastic film i had no idea the team behind it at the time and i was i was back acting back then and i wasn't i just really enjoyed the performances and i enjoyed the the relationship but wow what a film what happened after it for you guys what was what was the next did it did you have all the other stuff ready you know did doors open was managers thrown at you? Anna, what was, what was your, you know, take from that Oscars, you know, to talk us through that whole, oh my gosh, change of life type movie.
2: Well, you know, we, we came out of, um, of Sundance premiering half Nelson already with another, with our next project that we really wanted to do. And, um, and I think that there was a little bit of a blessing in that because we didn't, We couldn't overthink it too much. And, you know, of course, the movie then didn't come out for another six or seven months. And then after it came out, it was another bunch of months before we had any idea that that Ryan would be nominated for an Oscar. So it gave us a lot of time to not get in our own heads about it, (laughs) about like, what's got to be our follow-up film? We just knew what we wanted to do. And we we pursued that. And I do think, you know... um, we kind of, I'm really glad that we ended up making Sugar, which was our second film that had no known actors in it. It was mostly in Spanish um, and it was just this kind of, you know, very indie vibe art film about a baseball player who grew up in the Dominican Republic and then ends up traveling to uh, Iowa to play in the minor leagues here and hopefully, with hopes of becoming a major league baseball player. Um, and I'm so glad we made it when we did, because I, I kept feeling you, the years following that, that we'd never be able to get this movie financed
3: <laughs> at any other
2: time. But it was it was in, when HBO was still making theatrical films part of um, the same Wing of the company that had made Maria Full of Grace and uh, a handful of other small films um, that were intended for theatrical release, and it was um, really the last movie that they made that wasn't going to premiere on on HBO. That wasn't um, you know kind of made for the television platform, and it was uh, it was such a cool experience, and we just got our kind of core team on the road and we traveled to four different cities over the course of several months and we prepped before each little section of that movie And it was like a traveling circus.
0: (laughs) Which is fantastic. That's how I like to make movies. And uh, the difference between that and Captain Marvel, I imagine, is like worlds away, just totally, just huge difference. So, I I mean, looking back, that must have been a fantastic experience, right? What did you bring, obviously, working together for the first time as directors, as co-directors as well, what, what do you remember from that time? And what can you, sort of any tips and advice that you can think of for making a film, just you guys sort of run and gun type movie
3: gosh it's you know we were younger then and we had more energy but it was we were still making a (laughs) um, a fairly low budget movie and we had a lot of the same crew that we made half nelson with so that was fun so that we had we built that trust off of the first movie and just continued steamrolling along into the next one and it was the most fun I've, I've ever had doing anything I mean I just felt like we had creative control over what we were doing. HBO was fantastic. The executive there, Maude Nadler at the time, was supportive of what we were doing. We, we just had a great team. And um, I think back on, on making that movie as the greatest creative achievement you know it's not necessarily look i love the movie i haven't seen it in a while but it's not i'm not even talking about the finished film i'm just talking about the process of making it was one of those once in a lifetime special uh, occurrences. And um, I, I just feel I'm getting all nostalgic right now. <laughs> but but uh, I don't know, I don't know what the, the advice is about making that second film. It, other than I'm just like Anna said, I think there there could have been pressure had half Nelson come out sooner or the Oscar nomination happened sooner. There could have been pressure to to go make the big make Captain Marvel, whatever that was going to be equivalent of that at that time. But we, we didn't have that pressure. And so we just did what we wanted to do next. and um, And it was great.
0: Anna, from your side, can you remember that sort of uh, first time of, you know, first day on set directing? Can you remember the feeling afterwards? Or any advice from that for first time the directors?
2: I just remember the feeling with making that movie of um, so much of it was about becoming um, part of a place and really learning a place that wasn't where we're from. We're not, you know, from the Dominican Republic. We don't know that culture inside and out. And so, um, so much of preparing for that film was going down there and living there and talking to people and meeting people and like letting this story and come out of that. And all the actors we cast we're non actors. We're people who were baseball players that were living down there at the time, and and I think that that that's what I take away from the experience the most is um, giving ourselves the space and the time to really absorb um, the subject matter before we started making it, um, and really finding the right person to cast in the film. We saw o- over 500 people. We auditioned over 500 people before we decided on um, Alhanes Perez Soto, who ended up being the lead of the film, and, um, and every single one of those auditions informed what the movie ended up becoming because it was 500 young people who we could talk to and learn from um and and that was uh yeah that was the the special thing i remember about that i
0: think for me movies have when you're on set and you come away from it because when you're on there's so much going on and it can be amazing but it can also be you know it can be really hard and tough and when you come away and then you look back and you go oh god that that was really special those people are amazing i miss it so much when you're not there you know you get that absolute burning passion just to have that one more day back on set wouldn't it be just amazing just for everyone back again wouldn't it be just amazing if we could do that which is so nice that you had that zoom meeting a zoom you know chat with us whole half nelson team well that must have been so great really cool and then from that moment on you guys decided to carry on working together as a as a team as a double act if you like as a um as we call Anton deck in this country or <laughs> canon and ball um and yeah you sort of was that the plan then after sort of sugar you just went this this is working like you said at the beginning let's carry on and you made a kind of funny story and the mississippi grind together was that that was that always a sort of That was just kind of what you're going to do next.
3: Yeah. I think because sugar was a good, such a good experience. I don't think we went into that knowing we would continue to to co-direct together, but because it was a good experience, I think that it became, um, obvious that that's what we would do moving forward. Um, yeah, it's kind of a funny story. It was actually a studio movie that we were hired to write before we made sugar. So we, we wrote that that was sort of our first decent paying studio job which was congratulations
0: which was very in, yes. <laughs> exciting at the
3: time and so uh after sugar then we we continued on with that and and made that movie which was also fun which was a v- very different but also a very good good experience for us
0: yeah a studio movie changes things right it's focus features that galifianakis is your star and you know and you you're now working in a that kind of you know fun world. Um, What do you take away from doing a dark comedy, especially after making two very different movies, if you like?
2: Um, You know, the interesting thing about that um, movie, and I I really have like a soft place in my heart for it, was that it was a young adult novel and we knew that we were making a movie that was meant to be for young adults. Like we always, you know, talked about you know, the Breakfast Club or when we were mm. making it, like what, what were the movies that we wanted to see when we were in um, junior high or high school or whatever and, and, and trying to um, kind of create something like that. Um, but I, I, I feel like I'm not 100% sure that Focus Features knew they were making a young adult. or maybe they did at one point but it's like it didn't um i i do feel like there was a little bit of a disconnect between what it was and how what people were expecting from it until eventually like it found its audience um you know on download video and and things like that um and and so I feel like that, that was the thing that I learned from making that movie was just making sure that you know what kind of movie you're making and for who and making sure that everybody you're working with is kind of working towards the same goal of getting it to that audience.
0: That makes sense. What, what could you have done differently? Do, you know, do you think, I mean, do you guys do sort of pitch decks? Do you do rip reels? Is that the kind of stuff that you do in, internally anyway? Or could that have been something you'd done here?
2: Um, I, you know, we didn't really do that at the time. We had a lot of like, you know, we would collect reference images and things like that. And um, and I'm sure that we talked about it. What ended up happening with that movie is that we did a test screening for it. Uh, it was the first movie we'd done a test screening for And it kind of like scored very high in all four quadrants, so they call it.
0: Wow. Yeah. Congrats.
2: Yeah, but comes the <laughs> it wasn't made for all four quadrants. Sure. And I think that we got confused. Everybody got like a little confused by that. And um, and so even if we knew what we were making going into it, I think coming out of that experience, we weren't necessarily then putting it out into the world with that in mind. Um, because there was some feeling like, yeah, grownups are going to love this movie too. <laughs> Which yes, uh, maybe some grown-ups still love the movie, but like w- we had really wanted to reach young people. That that's what the book was, and that's what our our goal was. I don't know, um, but I I guess that was just the first time kind of working with the studio and trying to think about marketing and thinking about all that stuff, which is part of filmmaking. Um, it's just a part that we'd never had to really deal with before, think about before, um, and, and filmmakers who kind of embrace that as part of filmmaking, I really respect them because I feel like I don't, and I'm not that good at that part of things.
0: Right. Because this is something I tell my listeners all the time is think about who your audience is. It's from the very beginning. I say, look, if you're going to go make a movie now, if it's a horror, what genre of horror is it? If it's a, a thriller, what genre of thriller, thriller is it? What is it in there? And it's really interesting that you you were going, well, we're just going to go make films this way. And I, I find that uh, wonderful and fascinating and freeing. You know, I, I'm, I'm not right. I'm just a voice. Um, and that's really, I, I like that. I like that. They were just like, well, yeah, we, we found out. And in the end, it wasn't supposed to be all four quadrants. And that's great. And and then, yeah, really interesting. And then Mississippi Grind the same as well. And again, what a great cast. And you, you came back with the same producer, Lynette, there as well. Uh, Howell Taylor, who you worked on with Half Nelson. Was that something that after the sort of studio pitch, you were like, let's come back and bring the team back together slightly a little bit? I don't know it was A24 but still
3: <laughs> yeah well, we sold it at Sundance so there was no distribution in place we basically we yeah we had um, the and Jamie Patrickoff who we made me made uh, half Nelson and Sugar with mm. we, he produced it with us and um yeah that was another fun one that was like reminiscent of sugar in the sense that we were just it was kind of a, a road trip with with good actors and good crew and just a, a good time you know and um, we, you know, we, we we got to work with Ryan Reynolds and, and Ben Mendelsohn together, and, and both of them were just wonderful in their own unique, wild, strange ways. And um, <laughs> the chemistry between them, again, one of those things that just you see it right away when they when they got together for our our poker rehearsals, and um, it was just fun. I don't know. I mean, I think Anna, we were on a real Altman kick at the time, and I think Anna saw it as she called me up and says, "Hey." Let's do like a California split style road picture and I, and I said yeah, yeah okay great it'll, it'll be on the Mississippi and we'll call it Mississippi grind <laughs> if you like that's and then there there we go and then we were started writing
2: so There's that scene in the movie where you, <laughs> yeah, no. up, where you come up with the title like two back and forths and then uh, that's the scene I was gonna say it didn't really making that movie certainly wasn't like a reaction to it's kind of a funny story. I think that actually before um, we thought of Ben Mendelssohn for that role, we thought Zach Galifianic. <laughs> so oh, it started wow. off as a very different kind of vibe. We had such a great time working with him and, and we were like, it came as a reaction to trying to make a movie for years that was a very kind of expensive indie film that had tons of characters that took place in New York and was like kind of an epic independent film that needed multiple kind of uh, namey actors, and we'd like cast two people, and then while we were looking for the third, somebody would get Hunger Games or whatever it was, and and it kept kind of coming together yeah. and falling yep. apart, and it was, and we were like, screw this, what we want to do is do something really simple with two people. And just have it be a road mm-hmm. trip and, and not have it be such a big project. So it was really a reaction to like not making something that we'd been trying to make for many years that was a much more kind of complicated production wise.
0: Had that happened a few times, because I know with me it has, um, you start off on a road trying to make a movie and you get some people attached and then it kind of falls down and the whole project sort of dies. Had that happened quite a few times since Half Nelson with you guys? Or was this the first time
3: with that?
2: Many times with the same movie. The same movie. We would
3: revitalize <laughs> it, yeah, it would come back together and then we'd attach an actor and then, yeah, it was, it was frustrating it's very frustrating
2: yeah it happens to everyone though yeah. it does
0: and you put so much of your heart and soul into it and you because to go mentally as a director there you've got to really invest everything It's because any day they could go right yeah we've now got ryan reynolds and ryan gosling you're going off to shoot and you would be like oh right so you have to be prepared but then when you do that and then it keep you keep getting kicked in the balls it's really annoying it's really frustrating but that's part of our world and it's interesting it happens to everyone right i mean it just does i, I still find that fascinating it happens to, to people like yourselves and bigger people and and you know huge named actors they all their projects just fall down you're like oh my god um But yeah, again, two amazing films and two fantastic, you know, co-directing abilities that you brought to these both really interesting different films and, you know, again, brilliantly well done. Now, by this point, I imagine Marvel were already knocking on your door. You'd already had meetings around town for the last five years or so. Um, But Captain Marvel was something that you felt that you really wanted to do because it was a different voice, right? Um, Do you want to tell us your journey and how you, you came to be directing such a a massive behemoth as this compared to your indie films you've made before
3: yeah well you know it i I gotta be honest it's not like the sexiest answer the basically our our agent said hey take a look at this they're they're hiring they're, they're interviewing directors for this captain marvel movie we didn't know much about it we didn't know much about that character we'd had seen marvel movies we'd liked the marvel movies we hadn't seen all of them um we didn't grow up as huge comic book fans but we, we sort of dug into this character and there was um, one particular run of that character written by Kelly Sue DeConnick that just was really gritty and fun and flawed and messy and cool and, and just a really great written comic book character. And we thought, well, if they want to make this version of that character, then I, I think that uh, this could be this could be fun. I think that this is a unique opportunity for us, again, to just keep doing different stuff, keep playing in different sandboxes you know, exactly, yeah, yeah yeah and so um we went after it you know we put together a reel of of action movies and not non-action movies just to, to music and it was really fun like trailer we put together and we, we went in and just kind of pitched ourselves for the for the job and and um we hadn't really gone at something that hard before that that intense and it was it was a lot of meetings before it happened, but uh, it was it was a really unique, fun process.
0: I can imagine. What was your best way of pitching? If you like any advice on pitching with something that you are that passionate about, because we're all at the stage now where we are going into meeting rooms at, in Hollywood and in London, and you've you've got to be prepared. So what what have you taken from this? And again, we're all learning; we're still getting better. But what what of what you? What's any good tips or what things did you you take from your time of actually getting the Captain Marvel gig? I think
2: the best thing um, that that we learned actually from talking to Ryan Coogler, who, who was prepping Black Panther when we were interviewing for Captain Marvel. And um, we talked to him. We're like, what's this experience like? You know, we've heard it's crazy, but tell us about it. And he was like, this is the hardest I've ever worked in my entire life. <laughs> it's,
3: <laughs>
2: it's just make sure that you really want to do it. If, uh, if you're going to do this, just make sure you really want to do it because you commit so much of yourself, even more than you do in a normal film. And um, and so we kind of talked about it afterwards. We're like, all right, so let's go in there and pitch not what we think they want to hear, but exactly what we want to do. Because we don't want to end up with this job if it's not the movie we want to make. You know, we, we need to just be really honest with ourselves. Like, what could we spend the next Two years of our life, not seeing our families, and you know, doing and feel okay about it in the end, and um, and so we kind of just focused on really figuring out like what what we got most excited about and trying to articulate it to them and and articulate our enthusiasm about that version of of the story, and I, I think that was you know you don't want to. And then at the end of the day if you don't get the project because they don't like your like version of it then yeah so yeah. what you know then you you didn't have v- visions that matched up and, and that's okay um and so you do the next one
3: i like that um ryan any advice on pitching no that's exactly that's exactly right i think it's um you just you have to go in loving the project if sure everyone needs a job but I think there's there's something about just going and trying to get a job that that reorients your your approach to it, and it, it makes it feel like um, you're just trying to give somebody what they tell somebody what you think they want to hear. And the good thing about Marvel is they actually want to hear your enthusiastic ideas. They don't have to match what it is they're thinking. They want to hear what you want to do with their material. And so just, it was a great match and it was, it was a good process for us. Um, But, but pitching, we're not, we're not good at pitching. I'm just going to say that that's not something we're comfortable with. Not something we enjoy doing. It's not something we're good at. So I think that uh, the advice that I have is just try to, you know, you have to be excited about what it is you want to make.
0: And then your enthusiasm will come across the idea. Yeah. Even if you're not that great at pitching, because it's very difficult to pitch. You've got to be, outspoken you've got to it's really hard you've really got to get passionate about it and i think if if you're not great at pitching then do be passionate i I really like that um and look you know captain marvel is incredible it's a i really love this movie and the fact is it had so much it was so different from your other movies as well with the whole you know the sci-fi element and the 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 big on the cgi effects and all that kind of stuff was this kind of mind-blowing when you first sort of sat down and went okay so she's gonna be in space somewhere and she's just gonna be flying through and we're just gonna have a big- explosion here and this is gonna happen what how do you even compute how you go okay well where should we put the camera you know what i mean what was what was your process like dealing with it, all that
3: yeah it was overwhelming at first because you see those movies and you're like how do they make these movies like where do you where are you putting the camera what is real and what is generated in a in a computer and so i think it was a great learning experience for us to learn how those movies are made and, and we had a great team around us sort of coaching us through the steps. And um, previs is, is the, the word that we learned on that movie, basically, where you, you have a, a version, a, three, a computer animated version of the movie you're going to make where you can actually experiment and try things and try camera moves and, and see the digital sort of chunky figures, you know, walk around a set and just you get a sense of how you're going to, to execute it through the previs. So um, that's, that's the tool. That's the, the, the secret of um, those movies
0: which is incredible and we could talk all day about that and going to do so maybe we'll at another time and mrs america which is uh, incredible uh by the way which is your tv series as well is so so damn good if you've not seen that jump on i think it's on sky right now in the uk it's on hulu in america it's so damn good Cape blanchard is amazing you guys are both fantastic thank you so much for all your time i know you've got to hop off to a meeting so we'll cut this short but um we really appreciate your time and thank you so much for joining is on the filmmakers podcast you're an inspiration to so many filmmakers out there honestly your indie film roots all the way up is brilliant and keep doing what you're doing i love it i love it honestly thank
3: you so
2: much thank you yeah so nice absolute to talk pleasure. to you yeah real
0: pleasure so nice it was to, really talk to you' so time much. blue thank you my absolute pleasure too you take mm-hmm. care guys and thank you okay you too take care
2: all right take all right. care
0: cheers
3: guys bye, bye.